Hello again and welcome to Longevity Now, the place for all your news and views about life extension from around the world. For this episode, we go to a hotbed of anti-aging and rejuvenation research, the Silicon Valley of the United States. And we talk to someone embedded deeply within the startup scene, Justin Rebo, who works for ImmunePath. This is the type of interview I find very interesting because Justin was one of the early leaders of the Immortality Institute and is now leading the research effort for specific aspects of rejuvenating the human body. Hopefully, he can provide us with some good advice about negotiating our way into more action in anti-aging and provide some detail on recent research he has been involved in, specifically the removal of senescent T-cells and B-cells from the immune system. And now, welcome to the program, Justin Rebo. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing pretty good. It's pretty good to talk to you again. Yes, and thanks for uh, coming on to the program tonight. And, you know, I've known you for a few years now, and we've met in person on several occasions. But for new listeners, could you give a little background about yourself, specifically how you came to involve yourself in life extension and and rejuvenation, uh, what uh, your education background is, and where you've worked in recent years? Okay, well, that's that's a pretty big question. How did I become involved in aging research? Well, uh, I guess that really goes back to when I was about, I don't know, four or five years old, and and someone told me that I was going to die someday, and, you know, I just thought that was absolutely ridiculous. So, and I continued thinking that was ridiculous, you know, throughout my life. It wasn't until later that I actually decided that I needed to do something about it myself. I mean, I originally went to my undergrad uh, way back in the ancient past, and, and I studied business. And afterward, I had a, a real estate development company after I graduated from my undergraduate program. Yeah, I, I could make some money doing that, but I just didn't feel like I was really having that much influence on my ultimate destiny. I mean, who really cares if you, you know, have a little bit of money? If, if you and everyone you care about is going to be tortured to death by this demon known as aging. That's about the time when I was early 20s or so, uh, when I came to what was uh, IMINST, the Immortality Institute. And uh, I also went to some aging conferences around that time. And there's really one turning point when I really threw myself into all of this full steam ahead. And that was at a conference, an aging conference where I went and saw all the various presentations that they were giving at this aging conference. And one theme that they had a few presentations about was about bats. And what these were is they showed that small mammals are supposed to live a short time on it usually. And, you know, as they get bigger, they're supposed to live a little bit longer. That's why, you know, mice live like a year, you know, voles live months but bats, you know, they're about the same size, and they live like 20 years, so, so what's up with that? They were focusing on, like, not only do they live a long time, they're also deficient in a, a particular DNA repair enzyme, which is a DNA repair enzyme that repairs thymidine dimers. So not only do they live a short time, but they are deficient in DNA repair. Wow, this is all through the conference. Ooh. Well, the only problem is this DNA repair enzyme that repairs thymidine dimers. Thymidine dimers are caused by ultraviolet radiation. These are bats. They're never exposed to an ultraviolet photon in their entire life. They're, right. they're nocturnal animals. Yeah. This is just entirely irrelevant. 
so really when I decided I needed to work on all this stuff myself was just seeing the absolute paucity of relevant focused research being done. I mean, there's a few things that are, of course, important. Sure. But, is, is but, that uh, when you um, then after that conference, did you end up going to medical school, enrolling in medical school after that? Uh, yeah, that's that's exactly right. So it's right around then that I really got going to medical school. And the, and the reason I originally decided to go to medical school is because I didn't have any of my connections here in Silicon Valley. And I thought that I was going to have to self-fund quite a lot of my uh, anti-aging research in my own garage. Mm-hmm. And and it made sense at the time in my mind to, to go to medical school, become a physician, where I would be able to afford to do that. At the same time I was in medical school, I, I got a dual degree where actually I worked with uh, Aubrey de Grey and John Schlondorn, who I work with today, on lysosense. And later on, I, I went on to work on a, a immunosense as well. And then now you're working for ImmunePath, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Just uh, someone was asking then uh, your journey from the Immortality Institute, medical school, and then into the startup culture there in Silicon Valley. What two things were key in that progression? What helped you get through that? What would, like other people, there's a lot of young uh, researchers, a lot of uh, college-age people that hang out at Longevity, and they, they want to know what can help them be successful, uh, taking a similar path to what you did. Uh, well, I wouldn't necessarily rec- at this point recommend a similar path to what I did. I, <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I mean, I certainly learned a lot along the way. Most of that is through, you know, you learn the most by making mistakes. I don't know if I would have gone to medical school. I probably would not have if I had known how to, you know, interact with the Silicon Valley scene at the time. In retrospect, it wasn't a bad path, but okay. I, I probably could have done better. But of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah. What were the two most challenging aspects of getting through your research path and your career path? One of the most challenging things is that most published research findings, you know, in peer-reviewed journals, yeah. uh, most of them are in some measure false. Yeah, so you know, you I read really that recently to... that there was 90% of in vitro studies cannot be reproduced. There, there's quite a lot of publishing bias in the academic community, there's just such a push to uh, to publish as many papers as you can, you know, publish or die. This is one of the results of that. So the, in anti-aging research, you're saying, you're saying a big challenge is getting through the garbage. I mean, I hate to use that term, but you really have to scrutinize preliminary results. That's a great term, I think. You have to get through a You have to shove a lot of garbage. Here at, at ImmunePath, we just plow right through uh, quite a lot of published research to find out the stuff that can be reproduced and, and further developed so that we can use it. Because at the end of the day, we're not in this to make a quick buck. We're in this to save people's lives. Right. Tell us a little bit about your research removing energetic T cells from the immune system uh, in regards to your SENS4 presentation. So uh, what that was is uh, for quite a long time, many immunologists have been saying that uh, you have this uh, certain component of your T cells, what they call energic uh, or senescent, uh, which are essentially T cells that are supposed to just be entirely useless. And they accumulate with age and are theorized to cause the immune system to decline. To not work as effectively. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, there's this idea of immunological space that some people agree with and some people don't, which essentially the theory behind that is that if you get more more of these useless cells, there's less room for useful cells. But aside from that, I mean, they just, uh, you know, float around and don't 
do anything of of any value. Okay. So the idea in my particular project was, well, since these immunologists have been saying that something needs to be done about these cells for, for a very long time, I thought, why not do something about them? So what we did was we found a way to, to remove them from blood, and that was using um, magnetic antibody uh, cell sorting. Uh, where you uh, These cells are defined by, uh, by a few surface markers. So, and you would tag uh, them with magnetic markers. Yeah, so we'd, right? we, so we'd find antibodies to these markers, and with magnetic uh, particles attached, attach them to these cells in, in the blood of mice, and then just use a magnet to pull them out and, and return the blood to a mouse. And doing that, in the short term, we, we were able to show a, a seven-fold decline in, in circulating anergic T-cells. Okay. Uh, but then there was no further research into what effect that had on the health of the, the mice or the lifespan of the, li- the mice, right? It was just to prove a point that you can remove these senescent cells? Yeah, yeah, that was that was more or less it. That, that's exactly what I presented at, at Sense Four that you referred to. Sure. Okay. So since then, I haven't done any follow-up. What we have done is filed uh, various patents. Okay. Sure. I understood. Uh, um, you know, this kind of seems to relate to a, another research result from the uh, Technion uh, Institute of Technology in Israel. That was about a year ago, where they removed B lymphocytes and they observed rejuvenation of the immune system as the immune system, the age immune systems, seem to develop new, younger B lymphocytes once the old senescent ones were removed. Um, yeah, yeah. That, I, mean, I mean, that sounds very, very similar to what we did um, a bit earlier, only instead of involving the T lymphocytes, involving the B lymphocytes. And it looks like they may have even uh, taken it a bit further than than we did at the time. And and as far as taking it further, some uh, Longevity members were wondering, has the T-cell removal been tested in humans yet? As far as I'm aware, uh, it has not. Now, Uh, do you think it would be a worthy experiment to uh, look into, uh, to tag their T-cells, remove them magnetically or however, and then uh, test it on health and uh, rejuvenation metrics of the immune system? Well, yes, of course. I, I still think that uh, that this approach holds promise. The reason I'm not working on this is simply because I think I'm working on something now that has more promise, and there's only so many hours in a yeah. day. But do you think that something that should be funded, immune system re- uh, removal of the senescent cells? I mean, we had that big Mayo Clinic uh, senescent cell study with the mice just, what, a few months ago, where the mice lived in much better health through old age when they remove senescent cells from their body. I mean, I would think that this is an avenue of research that should be pursued eventually. What Would you agree? Oh, well, of course. And I'm not suggesting that it's not being pursued. Just you're I mean, not it, aware of currently. Um, it, I, I believe it is being pursued in various degrees in, in various academic centers. I can't say that I'm fully up to date on what's going on with that okay um, okay that's fine at, at yeah. least not in the last year or so okay uh, what what would you see as the main hurdle to uh, getting this you know tested as a potential therapy for human immune system rejuvenation well uh, i mean one of the reasons that i didn't take it further in mice is because i don't really think mice are that great of an of a model in this regard okay for, for human immune systems, I mean, for one thing, mice don't need to have an immune system. I mean, we keep them, like, living in sterile bubbles uh, their whole life. Yes. Um, and that's not to say that you can't do some experiments, you give them some, some infection or vaccine challenges. 
but I'm not convinced that uh, of how relevant that is. If failing or succeeding, showing some marker changes mm. in in mice, isn't going to want to convince me to not do the experiment. I think the next step would be probably some kind of monkey study. Okay. I see. Well, now we mentioned your newest uh, work here uh, with the company ImmunePath, the startup company. And I know that uh, you're kind of working behind the scenes here with some new technology, some new biotechnology. But what can you tell us about what research you're doing there at ImmunePath? So the point of ImmunePath is to ultimately make regenerative medicine work. And there are several hard problems uh, that come with, with, with using pluripotent stem cells. And what we did is uh, we looked for certain disease states where we would only have to solve one hard problem. Like some of the hard problems I'm talking about are, you know, just making the right cell at all. Like you, like using directed differentiation to, to make uh, stem cells do your bidding is no easy task. Then, you know, people worry about them, about the derivatives of pluripotent stem cells giving rise to tumors. There's the issue with any mismatched cell type of of immune rejection and if we're talking about like growing new organs or something uh, we're talking about a complex three-dimensional organ structure that what we did is we just looked for various diseases where a, a pluripotent stem cell derived therapy would only have to solve one of those hard problems so what i can tell you is that more or less put us into the blood arena okay uh, there's no structure to blood there's no you don't have to worry about immune rejection for for various reasons, in the, at least not in the same way that you have to worry about like immune rejection for tumors. Again, there's various reasons why we don't have to worry about uh, growing tumors at all. Okay. Uh, just one example is a, is a red cell. Red cells don't have a nucleus. There's no, no way they could possibly grow a tumor. Okay. Well, that gives us a little idea of what immune path, uh, where what you're heading toward. Um, now, just moving on to a couple other things here before the end of the interview, uh, being involved in the Immortality Institute and now working on specific aspects of uh, you know, life extension and rejuvenation, some would expect that you probably maintain some great health through some sort of diet or supplementation and exercise. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what's your advice, uh, so maybe some personal advice for maintaining good health? Uh, well, the number one piece of advice is don't smoke. Okay. After that, there's a rather rapid uh, – you move into diminishing returns rather rapidly after that. Have good genetics would be another good piece of advice. <laughs> well, yeah, um, I, I mean, uh, As far as supplements go, I, I, most of them don't work, so um, <laughs> with exceptions. Hey, just, uh, hey, I, just give us the truth here from your perspective. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, th- th- there's some amount of evidence for, say, vitamin D and fish oil. Sure. Um, I mean, I'm ultimately pretty damn libertarian. I'm not a, a fan of uh, too much government regulation. But ultimately, uh, the reason a lot of these things have problems is is because they, they don't work. Yeah. Not that they're poisonous, but they can't show efficacy. Exactly. And I I wish it were otherwise, but... Sure. They're just the evidence just isn't there. I mean, you can find exceptions, and you can especially find exceptions for certain specific conditions. Yeah. And some of these supplements can be used like drugs at high dosages when you have certain conditions. Like example that comes to mind is niacin. It can be used to 
you know, heart disease. Yes, right. To, to increase HDL cholesterol. It's, whether or not that's really all that beneficial, even in that case, is, is still an open question. So mostly don't smoke. Probably only a couple of supplements that are proven to do good for human health. Diet, you know, decent diet, I suppose. Exercise. Well, yeah, a absolutely. Bit. I, I mean, if you're eating McDonald's every day, you're going to definitely be like be Morgan sure. Spurlock in, uh, <laughs> in a month's time. Your health metrics will go way down, right? Aside from that, I mean, I can tell you what my diet is, and that's more or less I eat meat and vegetables. Uh, I'm not psycho about any particular diet, sure. but okay. you know, I, I go to the gym several times a week. That's important to do that. If not for so much for life extension, it does help with quote-unquote health extension. Sure. Uh, okay, and then uh, lastly, you know, I always ask, uh, what do people out there in the research community need or the, the startup community need in order to advance you know, life extension research and, and rejuvenation? And I'll just say, besides money. Not money. The answer is people. People. Um, if you walk to, say, up, up to 100 people on the street and ask them flat out, like, do you want to live forever? You know, a couple of them are going to say, well, yeah, of course. And most of them won't. Uh, most of them will not say that. It seems like the deathist meme is, is quite strong. Okay, as I said, there's, there's a couple of people out of that 100 that will say yes, that they do, and they will take that pill. That will instantly make them live forever. The problem, ultimately, is that only about, you know, one in a thousand out of those will actually lift a finger to do something about it. Yeah. I mean, you have to remember the number one thing that most people do is is nothing. So we need people. I, we're, I'm working at a, at, a, at a pluripotent stem cell company. There's only a handful of these companies in the world. So not only at ImmunePath there would you say, hey, we could use more hands here on deck, interns or, you know, hired hands, people that understand the uh, biochemistry and the biotechnology there. But also you would say if, like, longevity could just convince more people to get out of the deathist meme. One thing I did during medical school is I, I built, like, a small, uh, you know, biotechnology lab in my garage. It's easy to do. It's cheap. You learn a heck of a lot by, you, you learn so much more by doing than by, you know, yeah. by, by, by reading. I mean, like I said, you go through a, a million academic articles and you'll find, you know, some percentage of them are actually correct. Um, but you're never going to know that unless you test it yourself. Sure. Love to encourage longevity members, just as I was saying, you know, uh, just get up and get to work because your life depends on it. And so does everyone that you care about. So, All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us tonight, Justin. Have a good evening. Thank you. Have a good one. And there you have it. Money is not always the key factor. We need more people to combat aging. We need more real hands in the lab. And as always, we need to convince more people that unlimited life extension is a good thing. One specific task I think longevity could work on is finding out whether research into removing senescent immune cells is moving forward into human trials. We know it can be done. Now we need to find out if it helps extend life or improve health. Perhaps we can find and connect the right people in the right labs. I don't think it's out of the realm of our capability. Until next time, I'm Justin Lowe.